right, 239 days to go till you, the ultimate jury. You get to decide the fate, the future of this country. There's a lot at stake. Will you shock the world again? I hope you do. A lot to get to today. I have now pretty much had it on this coronavirus hype hysteria lies. It's the same thing. Now, should we be concerned about a virus? Absolutely. Should we be informed about a virus? Absolutely. Should we take all necessary steps? Absolutely. But you would think by the coverage that you see in the mob and the media that Donald Trump, this is probably where it's headed, that it's going to be Donald Trump was in a laboratory with Russians and Ukrainians, Ukrainians, and they were there and they manufactured the virus on purpose to kill people. Uh, it is the, there's never been a president that has acted faster that put into place quicker a travel ban given people time to to see where this is going it was only identified didn't even have a name till january 7th of this year first identified december 30th by the world health organization and they noticed in the wuhan province of china and a virus that gave pneumonia-like symptoms that ultimately we identified as corona. By the way, SARS was a kind of corona-like virus. It's a coronavirus that started in a wet market, and SARS was first reported in Asia in February 2003. Pandemics, these flus, they happen. It's unfortunate. Of course, we want people safe and secure, and, you know, we're all watching as this cruise ship now pulls up and and hopefully we get the people the medical attention that we want to give them i want a cure for every disease i don't want anybody sick being sick is awful it's miserable you have pandemic pandemics that that make their way around anyway we're going to get into that today it's sad that yeah well russia didn't work ukraine didn't work impeachment didn't work let's try and bludgeon donald trump with a virus and say he didn't do enough it is it is so predictable but this is who they are. What do they have to run on otherwise? They can't run on Trump-Russia collusion because the only colluder was Hillary. They can't run on Ukraine because the only one that was quid and pro and quoing was Joe and zero experience Hunter. By the way, we have a lot of updates about the Biden mob family today uh, as it relates to the brother of Joe Biden cashing in on the family name and Joe's position. Uh, we'll get to all of this in the course of the program today. Newt Gingrich will also give us some perspective Look, there's one thing that you got to be able to have a discussion about things that are really important. And now over the weekend, we've had yet more missteps, misstatings, gaffes, whatever you want to call it, of quid pro quo Joe, you know, and, you know, telling people, well, first, not remembering his own name. Oh, oh, Biden, Obama, Democrat, oh, Biden, Obama, Democrat. And then you can only reelect Trump. Huh? We 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 cannot win this re-election. We can only re-elect Donald Trump. And then the president tweets out, "Yeah, I agree with you." Quit. And I did the same. It was pretty funny. Um, but this is the problem with all of this. There is something I don't know that seems to be accelerating. You know, when I first noticed Biden getting into this whole thing, and I looked at him, I said, "Wow, he he looked like he had aged to me." And again, I'm not playing doctor here on radio. I don't know. Joe Biden, I can only go by what he says and watch him and give you general impressions. And as I've been saying from the beginning, if he ever had a fastball, it's gone. If he ever had a slow pitch, it's gone, too. And he's 70, what, seven years old. 
Now, by comparison, to be fair, you got a 78-year-old Bolshevik Bernie that's full of energy. I know he had a heart attack, but I'm not really all that worried with all the advancement we have in taking care of people's hearts, even people that have had heart attacks. Uh, I would not be afraid to elect a president that had had a heart attack, but he's got he's an energizer bunny. He's got a lot of energy and a lot of passion, and he seems very focused, and he seems like, you know, this everything that he's saying matters to him. You know, we have to recognize and be able to discuss just kind of like the Democrats did with Ronald Reagan. They brought up the issue of senility, which I will go back and tell you about in a minute. You know, whether or not a president, it is the hardest job in the world. There is no harder job. You've got the, literally the cause of freedom on your shoulders every day. You have the responsibility of keeping the world safe and protected from evil at the end of the day anything big bad really happens it's going to be our job to clean it up worldwide whether we want to admit that or not and there might be instances we can avoid getting involved but usually we'll get involved keeping america safe and being the commander-in-chief it is the hardest job with the most stress and pressure probably than any other job out there now whether a candidate has such physical strength has the stamina has the focus, the mental toughness, and frankly, even awareness, if you will, that is needed to do this critical job is, I would argue, just part of a normal vetting process. And if you're somebody that forgets what day it is, Super Thursday. Oh, no, sorry, Tuesday. You know, you forget what state you're in. Iowa. No, I'm not in Iowa. I'm in Ohio, wherever I happen to be. Uh, And does it quite often. And seems to be regularly confused and it just keeps getting worse as the campaign goes on, meaning it seems to be accelerating because the pace of the campaign is accelerating and it's demanding more physical and mental and emotional processes uh, than earlier in the campaign. It's only going to get worse. Now they're hiding Joe. Now even Bernie's people are like, oh, he did a whole seven minute appearance at an event, campaign event. That's not really good. That tells me that his own campaign is scared to death. They don't know what's going to come flying out of his mouth. Um, Those are all legitimate issues. And it's the idea that you can't bring that up is ridiculous. We cannot get reelected. We we can't get, excuse me, we can't get reelected. Only Trump can, only... Turn can only re- turn this Trump. primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So, folks, you want to nominate a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Biden Obama Democrat. I don't even think the crowd picked up the Obama, a Biden, Obama Democrat. Okay, they hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created, you know, by the thing. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the, you know the thing. You know the thing that I just forgot. The thing that thing that I forgot. Now I'm just telling you right now, and this is something you've got to understand here: the mob and the media, they're going to act. Like there's not something going on here. They're going to ignore this. They're going to ignore all of this. They are, they're just going to pretend it's not happening. 
And then maybe it'll go away. And if we don't bring attention to it because we're state run media and we so hate Donald Trump, if we ignore it, maybe the public will ignore it. The public is not ignoring it. Everywhere I meet people now, it gets brought up to me unsolicited. So they might want it to go away, wish it to go away, not discuss it in any way, but it's going to get discussed. You know, and I hate to tell you this Burisma issue is not going away either. You're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor that's paying my zero experience son millions and millions of dollars. And the issue with China. Now we have an issue with his brother and sister and everybody in the in the Biden mob family is is cashing in on Joe. And, and he oh, I had no idea whatsoever. I don't believe that either. So they can ignore these things all they want, but they're coming to fruition. Ron Johnson's doing an investigation. Ukraine's doing an investigation. And I tell you, it's probably going to expand out into China and other areas before it's all done. The mob in the media is not going to vet Biden's foreign policy disaster, which is the Iranian deal. That's only one disaster. Even Democrats have pointed out he's been on the wrong side of history of every major foreign policy issue we've ever faced throughout his career. An unmitigated disaster for the country. Their failed economic policies will compare the Trump record. Yes, even if the stock market has an adjustment because of fear and paranoia over a conflict with oil over oil with Soviet Union and or well, yeah, with Putin's Russia, more accurately, and with the Saudis driving down the cost of a barrel of oil, that that's all gonna work itself out. Corona's going to work itself out. They they want you to ignore. 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. I'm not going to let them do that. That's my job. They're going to they're not going to vet Biden and how many millions of Americans lost their doctors, lost their health plans and how everyone is paying on average uh, nearly 200 percent more because Obamacare was a disaster or that 37 percent of the population of this country has only one Oh, Biden, Obama exchange possibility. Yes, on purpose. Um, the mob is going to ignore Obama and Biden's handling of H1N1. But 12, 13, 14,000 Americans died and they never put a travel ban in effect. They never quarantined anybody and people died. Do you remember the hype? No, because it wasn't there because this is state run media. This is what they do. They protect those people that they like. And in this case, they hate Donald Trump above all else. And so they're going to circle the wagons because they are nothing but state run TV. I will say this, the Sanders campaign, and I'll get to this later. They're now questioning Biden's stamina. Why does Joe Biden not want to stand toe to toe? Apparently they're reporting numerous places. I have not confirmed it myself, but I am telling you what's being reported by others. But Anyway, Sanders' team raised an alarm in a call that took place Friday with fake news CNN about a debate that they're going to have with the Democratic National Committee. Politico reported this weekend, and Joe Biden's team apparently wants to sit down, not stand toe-to-toe with Bernie Sanders. I guess they think there's some advantage in that for him to do that sort of thing. I don't know why. But anyway, so there was a another story that I saw, Law and Crime, where at a St. Louis rally— uh, Joe Biden shocked observers by speaking for a sparse seven minutes. Yikes. Seven minutes. That's about all the time they feel comfortable. Okay, that's long enough. All right, let's get out of here. <sighs> what do you say? A lying dog face pony? <laughs> I mean, where did he get this stuff? And you might say, well, Hannity, you're being particularly harsh. 
Well, we've identified now 164 specific gaffes. Here's uh, when we get back or at the bottom of the half hour after the news, I'll play just the last two weeks. That goes on over two minutes of of these Biden gaffes, brain farts. I don't know what you want to call it, anything you want to call it, but it seems to be increasing in the incidents are increasing as now the pace of the campaign increases as well. In other words, that he doesn't have the stamina, strength, the mental focus, the ability and toughness to to get through this thing without somebody propping him up. And if you say, well, they would, what if it was Donald Trump? Well, they did it to Ronald Reagan. All sorts of questions after the first debate with Walter Mondale in 1984. I'll play for you also the the line that won 49 states for Reagan. It was one line. I will not let my opponent's youth and inexperience be a factor in this campaign. End of it. Even even Mondale knew it. It was hilarious. The, you watch the video. Mondale's cracking up because it was such a great line. We'll play that coming up, too, as well. Uh, we'll get to the the coronavirus madness, hysteria. Uh, we'll give you truth, facts, hopefully useful to you so you can protect yourself and family. By the way, this unlike H1N1, this is impacting older people, not young people. And we'll tell you about the cruise ship that is about to dock and the media is like following its every inch. All right. So the mob and the media way back in the day, uh oh, they raised all the questions everywhere. You know, it was like a mass diagnosis of Ronald Reagan. The president's denial syndrome. Reality, just say no. Age issue, a myth talking about Reagan in October of 84. Seattle Times, old Reagan dancing away to 74. Uh, Wall Street Journal. Nancy Reagan's behind-the-scenes maneuvering stands out in in Reagan's ouster. And it goes on from there. But then came the second debate. And here came the question and answer by Reagan. And he won 49 states. This one answer ended it. You already are the oldest president in history. And some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truitt, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> Now, that was at the end of the campaign. All the history of this we have. They brought it up again and again. Now the mob, because it's one of their radical leftist, uh, socialist, extremist friends, and there's really not a dime's worth of difference between Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. I told you, there was it, a lot of it had to do with Bernie supporting murdering dictators and their regimes. They both are for open borders. They want to end all deportations. Uh, both of them, you know, are saying they're going to raise taxes on the middle class. They both want to get rid of the lifeblood of our economy and put restrictions on oil and gas. They both, you know, want to give health care that we pay for for illegal immigrants. The same on taxpayer funded abortions and free college and more government health care. Great. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330 
and help me in this fight. I watched what happened when the kids from Parkland marched up to, and I, 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 I met with them, and then they went off to up on the hill when I was vice president, and they went off the hill to go into those neighborhoods. We got to let them know who we are. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Words that stunned the nation, and I would argue, I know, shocked the world. International leaders spoke about it. You had people like Margaret Thatcher, excuse me, you had people like the, the former chairman and leader of the party in, the, in Germany. You had Angela Merkel. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Let me let me just interrupt this montage, and we'll put the whole thing that you just were hearing on on Hannity.com. Let me just play the new stuff. Just just in the 2020 campaign cycle. Just that. This is this is, now it's long, and we're I can't play this every day anymore because it's getting longer by the minute. Got longer again this weekend. I couldn't believe it. You can't even. Yes. Uh, we are the oh Biden Obama Democrats, huh? Okay, I mean, we can only reelect Trump. Okay, hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are, you know, you know the thing, the the thing. It's nuts. Listen, if you agree with me, go to Joe three o three three o. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from. You don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. We have to just change the culture, period, and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. But if Donald Hunt Donald Trump is reelected. <laughs> Freudian slip. Donald Trump does pose an external strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Words that stunned the nation, and I would argue, I know, shocked the world. International leaders spoke about it. You had people like Margaret Fat. Excuse me. You had people like the, the former chairman and leader of the party in in Germany. You had Angela Merkel. Just like in my generation, when I got out of school, that uh, when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s. When I got engaged, my son, the one who, my deceased son, was the attorney general of the United States. And before that, he was a federal prosecutor in one of the largest offices in the country, the in, in Philadelphia. Look, tomorrow is Super Tuesday. And I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? That's something I've heard from some voters, maybe not at your events, but well, details. No, but the details are irrelevant. I just spoke at, a, at Dartmouth on health care at the medical school or not i guess i wasn't actually on the campus but the people from the medical school were at the I'm, i want to be clear i'm not going nuts i'm not sure whether it was the medical school or where the hell i spoke but it was on the campus and folks you know all those democrats who won uh, against incumbents uh, from jimmy carter to a guy named clinton to a guy named obama my good friend guess what they had overwhelming African-American support. Although I had met 
uh, Sully and his wife at an event in Los Angeles back in the, in the spring, late fall, early, I mean, late spring, late winter, early fall, early, anyway, you know what I mean. You must register that weapon. You must register it. When you register it, the likelihood of it being used diminishes exponentially. One of the things I'm proudest of is getting passed, getting moved, getting control of the Paris Climate Accord. I'm the guy that came back after meeting with Deng Xiaoping and making the case that I believe China would join if we put pressure on them. Why in God's name should someone who's clipping coupons in the stock market make, in fact, pay a lower tax rate than someone who, in fact, is, uh, like I said, the, a school teacher and a firefighter? Chipping in and support our campaign. Text Joe 23. Excuse me. I got to get this right. Joe to 30330. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. And turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for. Because we cannot get reelect we cannot win this re-election. Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. So folks, you want to nominate a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Biden Obama Democrat. As our latest, then Biden, Obama Democrat, and uh, well, the only one we you know can be reelected is Trump. We will reelect. <laughs> I mean, part of it's funny, but it's not because now it's serious, and everybody's talking about it being serious. It's not just me now. Well, Hannity, you're being unfair. You're taking this to new standards. This is a new law in presidential politics. No, uh, it is the hardest job in the world. It's just a fact. It is the hardest job in the world. And if a candidate is not up to this physically, doesn't have the, the stamina, doesn't have the alertness, the focus, uh, focus, the mental toughness needed to do this critical job to the best of his ability, that is an issue. That is part of the normal vetting process. It just is. He is, you know, so he doesn't even know sometimes what day it is. Super Thursday. No, Tuesday. Or what state he's in. And it's not that hard to remember what state you are in or make, maybe if you're really tired once, maybe twice, but it's happening every day with this guy. And that's a big problem. You know, we're endowed by the thing. You know, the thing we're endowed by the thing, the thing being God above the creator of everything. Now, the media is going to ignore it. They're going to ignore quid pro quo Joe. They're going to ignore Hunter. They're going to ignore the Biden mob family. We got another story with Peter Schweitzer coming up. They're going to ignore his failure of Obamacare. Now, 37% of the country has one uh, O'Biden Obama exchange choice, to use Joe's words. They only have one. They only have one exchange option. Everybody's paying more. Millions lost doctors. Millions lost their plans. Millions. Now he wants to go further into this. How about, can we examine their H1N1 failures? Because they were failures. They didn't take the bold steps that, in fact, this president had taken. Now you got, this was, I think, a political piece where I saw this, where they're literally writing about, he he did a seven-minute rally, speaking for a sparse seven minutes in St. Louis. You know why? Because they don't have any confidence he can get through it at all. Kind of scary. 
Now, what did they do to Reagan? Well, we can go to October of 1984, the McNeil-Lair report. His doctors have pronounced Mr. Reagan, this is Judy Woodruff at the time, fit since he recovered from the 1981 assassination attempt. But there have been moments during televised news conferences, for example, where the president, meaning Reagan, seemed less alert and less in control of the subject matter at other times. Goes on. Reporters noticed it uh, trying to answer when he's trying to answer questions from the press. Mr. Reagan seemed to need a little coaching. And then it goes on from there. And then they play something of Reagan. The system is still where it was with regard to the with regard to the the progress uh, progressivity, as, as I've said. Not a great answer. OK, they asked the question. George McGovern was saying in the lead up to that next debate, he said, well, there's no question Mondale showed a much greater degree of alertness, information on issues, capacity to recall the points that he wanted to make. I frankly thought the president appeared confused. He was inarticulate. He was forgetful. He manifested many of the qualities of a person who is getting older. This isn't a criticism of the president. We all want to be old. That's the one thing we share in common. I don't want to be old. I don't share that in common with anybody who wants to be old. Anyway, Woodruff then goes, well, let me ask you, Senator McGovern, on this. It's one thing to be off, to have an off night, as many in the White House are now saying that the president was. But it's something else for one's age to catch up with one. Can't you make a distinction between the two? McGovern, let me put it this way. I'm not questioning the president's physical vigor. I'm sure that he probably would do well in an arm wrestling contest as he has said here earlier today, but that's not really the test of one's mental alertness or your capacity to remember the fundamental facts that you need to have in mind. And this, this all happened. All happened. Oh, you mean they questioned Reagan's mental alertness? Yeah. And then Reagan knocked it out of the park when he, when he took on that Mondale in that second debate. You know, it is sad when you see lying going on on the level we're watching. Yeah, let me tell you what this whole corona madness is all about. Remember, you know, it was Bill Maher. I want a recession. I know because it gets rid of Trump. I don't care if it hurts people. I don't care. You got one MSDNC expert predicting a higher mortality rate of coronavirus becomes widespread in the U.S. There's science contributor, some guy, Dr. Fair. 80% of the U.S. population would survive. 15 to 20% mortality rate amongst individuals that are elderly or have underlying condition of coronavirus becomes widespread. You know, in all the years that it, you go back to 2009 and 10, they never, they never had a travel ban. They never had a quarantine. We just noticed a virus with pneumonia-like symptoms, this one, on December 30th of last year. We only identified corona, similar to SARS in some ways. Uh, we only noticed that one on January 7th, fully identified it. The president put the travel ban in effect on January 31st. He had a quarantine that hadn't happened in decades. Then you got Chucky Todd. Corona could be, be to Trump like the Iranian hostages were to Carter. Joy Reid over MSDNC. Children of Trump supporters are a coronavirus threat to your children. Surgeon General schooled fake Jake Tapper. Newsbusters picked up on that. It was bad. You got a museum director in Texas, apparently taxpayer dollars, uh, posting on Facebook a message. I hope every single one of you pieces, uh, blah, 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 every single one of you 
that votes Republican. I hope you die today. Why are we paying this guy? They're weaponizing and politicizing now a virus. I don't think the virus discriminates against Republican, Democrat, or conservative or liberal. You would think this is the one thing that they could say, you know what? The president made the right call, stepped in early. The travel ban likely prevented many from contracting the disease. Now, the you know, there's a poll out there. Most Republicans now see this for what it is. This is just a weaponized political agenda for the president. Presidents allocated all the money that they possibly have. My, I, my sources, you just listen to the vice presidents. If anyone would ever listen, he's given the answers, what they're doing, preparing for, you know, as this spreads, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And all the money and resources will be available. You got crazy people in a coronavirus brawl over toilet paper. I mean, it just, and it's all being whipped in, into a frenzy. People's minds are being whipped into a frenzy. Now, I can give you some facts that the mob is never going to give you. Anthony Fauci, you know, is right when he said on Meet the Press this weekend that it's overwhelmingly hitting old people. And the ones that are subject to potentially dying or have a risk of old people with compromised immune systems or underlying other conditions. They're the ones. He had written a piece in, where was it? I know I've read it somewhere. I think it was in the New England Journal of Medicine I read. Yeah, it was the New England Journal of Medicine. They had, as of the end of February, not one kid under 15 got this coronavirus. Not one. Median age was 59. Those that are dying, I think the median age is close to 80. Now, it's interesting because uh, H1N1, that impacted disproportionately children. The coronavirus is hitting older adults hardest. Kids are not being impacted by this. Um, and that's the nature of these viruses. And you have to find the end of it. And look, he's very right to say that if you're if you have a compromised immune system, if you have underlying medical conditions, you're the one you've got to protect yourself. No large crowds, no long trips. Above all, don't get on a cruise ship. I think that's a good recommendation for a while. Sorry if you're in the cruise ship industry i i don't want you to lose business i don't but obviously there's a problem in those confined areas um if you're a person with an underlying condition an older person with that condition compromised immune system you need to think twice about doing things the way you normally would the doctor who actually treated the first u.s case of corona said patients with mild symptoms recover at home guy's name is dr george diaz section chief infectious diseases providence uh, regional medical center in everett washington said no most folks are infected with the virus of mild disease won't need to even come to a hospital will never have to be admitted you know now there's some questions about whether it's seasonal with the warmer weather coming i've had both sides of that argued to me as i talked it over with medical professionals i know what we see also in china is very you know the numbers of people getting this thing uh are now getting greatly reduced and in spite of what they were saying at one point last week, oh, the mortality rate's 3% or over 3%. Looks like that's, again, another media mob lie. You know, 1% or less. And usually, again, it's people with compromised immune systems. And, you know, I know there's, there are jittery stock market reactions. I, that's the nature of the stock market, which I've never loved. It's also, but, but to use it to scare people. And you would think listening to some of these people in the media... And I want everyone to be protected. I want a cure for cancer. I want a cure for everything. You think that Donald Trump, you know, I guess at some point this will be coming. He got in a lab with Russians and Ukrainians and he made the virus. 
I'm waiting for that one. You may think that's far-fetched. Maybe it is. Wouldn't shock me, though. I just don't think that Joe Biden can generate enthusiasm when you got 60 billionaires contributing to his campaign. He was in Congress for years. Years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. We cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. T minus 239 days until election day. Yeah, we're coming to your city. From coast to coast, from border to border, from sea to shining sea, Sean Hannity is on. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free, telephone numbers 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, it's pretty amazing to me just how predictable the mob and the media is. So we now have identified a hundred of these moments of quid pro quo Joe just kind of right before our eyes, seemingly in a in a rapid state of decline, almost disintegration. I think you could argue I mean, just go back to this weekend. He misstates his own name and tells his supporters we can only reelect Donald Trump. On top of, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal by the thing. You know, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. Uh, it's it's alarming. It's about, and I'll, by comparison, Bernie's a year older. Bernie doesn't show any of these issues. And, you know, my argument is very, very simple. And it's not that complicated to understand. This is the toughest job in the world, being president of the United States of America, now, if a candidate has the physical strength, the the stamina, the the focus, if you will, the mental toughness um, needed to do this job, that is part of it's critical. It's part of the normal vetting process. And for everybody to be, oh, we can't talk about it. All these issues that the media, they just want to ignore. They want it's like it's not happening. Just like him on tape. You're not getting the billion. Unless you're part of the prosecutor investigating my zero experience on getting millions. You have six hours to do it, leveraging our tax dollars. So they want to ignore quid pro quo Joe, zero experience hunter. Uh, they want to ignore what's going on cognitively here because he can't seemingly keep a thought together and just keeps messing up every time he pretty much opens his mouth. Um, you ignore all of these things. They're not going to vet the Biden-Obama years on the bad Iran deal or the bad economy that they have, or frankly, the failed the failure in their handling, I would argue, of H1N1 swine flu. And you'd think, well, did it ever happen in the past? Well, yeah, Ronald Reagan did not have a good first debate against Walter Mondale. And yeah, there was the media. They were out there predictable predictably doing what they won't do to Joe Biden. And that was actually vetting Ronald Reagan and asking the tough questions. By the way, even Bernie Sanders' campaign now is, is asking about Biden's stamina. Wall Street Journal, the fitness issue, new question in the presidential race. This is in October before the 1984 election. Is the oldest U.S. president showing his age? Reagan debate performance invites open speculation on his ability to serve. Uh, other people actually use the word senile. Uh, the New Republic, the president's denial syndrome. 
New York Times, age issue, a myth. Uh, Seattle Times, old Reagan dancing way to 74. And it goes on from there. Um, anyway, let's go back in time and listen to a little of it. You already are the oldest president in history. And some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truett, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> Debate number two, Walter Mondale broke out in laughter. It was over. That election was done. 49 states later, Ronald Reagan reelected president. Uh, we bring back our resident historian, if you will. It was the Reagan leg of the conservative movement, then bolstered by the contract with America, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, and I would argue now the next wave, if you will, is what's happening with President Trump. Mr. Speaker, I think you remember that moment pretty well. Well, you know, Clust and I did a movie uh, called Ronald Reagan, Rendezvous of Destiny, and we have that scene, and you can see in Mondale, literally see in his eyes. It was over. He knows the election's over. Yeah. And it's a very, you know, it was like watching, watching a guy recognize that the Grand Master is back. It off and that yeah. he had no future. And, All right. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. But, but, but notice the difference. I mean, I, I, I sat last night and looked at like 20 of uh, the, the Biden comments. And what hit me was, it's not that Biden is strong. It's a commentary on how unimaginably weak the Democrats are, that he was the least weak. He wasn't strong at all, but he was less weak than some of his competitors. And if you think about it, that is an amazing reality. Um and I think it's true. I think that that uh, Biden is a huge gamble for the Democrats. They're all breathing a sigh of relief because they had convinced themselves that Sanders was just sort of going to collapse the whole party. But they shouldn't be taking much of a sigh of relief because because Biden has a huge potential to just simply fall apart. Uh, I don't I know. Be at all surprised if that's what happened. I think it's actually happening before our eyes. It's not getting it's getting worse. And now he's given seven minute stump speeches because they're afraid to let him talk at this point. They're scared to death if they don't have him all programmed up or on a teleprompter. You may not remember this. We had two conversations about it. It was it was when you were Speaker of the House. And I remember I was interviewing you and I asked you how you're doing. And at one point I said, you look really tired. And, and you said to me, there is a never ending ache of tiredness in the middle of my brain all day, every day. That's how hard that job was to you. And and you were, you know, you're like the Energizer Bunny. And I asked you after you had left uh, the, the house, said, how you feel now? He said, a lot better. You, you told me it took like two years for it to go away. That's how, that's how demanding mentally and physically these jobs are. Well, I think that's right. In my case, I'd also spent 16 years nonstop trying to create a majority. So the exhaustion was more than just a speakership. But one of the things I'm most struck with with uh, President Trump is that he loves the job. He bounces back every day. Uh, the news media lies about him, beats on him, does everything they can to discredit him and make his life miserable. And he just gets right back in the arena and, and uh, 
refuses to, to give up and has probably as much energy uh, as anyone I've ever seen. It's, it's amazing uh, how capable he is of being out there, being in the game, uh, and really trying every day to figure out how to achieve the goals that he thinks the American people hired him to achieve. So, you know, I, I, the difference, you saw this with, with Hillary. Um, and I have to say in passing, by the way, that Chris uh, and I... By the way, I did not in any way me. mean when I said you said that to me. It's because I knew you. We were friends. I knew how hard you worked. I knew you were sleeping two hours a oh, night. Yeah. But yeah, but I knew what went into it. I, and I do remember the earlier years. You know, Republicans had not had control of the House of Representatives in 40 years. And in the lead up, renewing American civilization, you know, a series of tapes and recruitment that went on to get the perfect storm so that Republicans could finally take back that house. It was a monumental, historic achievement. Well, thank you. I, I, I was going to say that one of the things I did was people that were listening may find interesting. Chris and I had a, a little spare time last night, and for some reason, we ended up pulling up Trump and Clinton at the Al Smith dinner in 2016. And it is an amazing speech that Trump gave that night. Uh, and it's something that the Biden people should look at because, you know, this is not going to be like hanging out with a group of folks uh, who have no energy, no drive, uh, and no courage. Uh, this is going to be like hanging out with, if Biden does get the nomination, he's going to be up against somebody who is quite prepared to uh, stay on him and to tell the truth and, and to work to solve uh, problems. And I, I think it'll be a fascinating campaign. I, for the life of me, I don't understand why any Democrat would be comfortable uh, having um, Biden as their nominee just because I think that it is, it's so conceivable. Well, pri- privately, they're telling me they're not. I'm sure you're getting the same thing. Privately, they're saying, uh-oh, yeah, we're worried. They, they're, they'll admit it people that I do know that have some degree of intellectual honesty. Let me ask you this. We're now watching. First, we had Russia, Russia, never-ending investigation. They've done nothing for the American people for three years. Then it's Ukraine, Ukraine. To get there, it's a spectacular boatload of hypocrisy that they must take on, and that is you'll ignore quid pro quo Joe leveraging a billion dollars so that his son can continue to make billions with zero experience, just like Hillary had the dirty Russian dossier, just like they ignored FISA abuse and spying on a candidate transition team and presidency. So my question is now, it seems like they want to weaponize and bludgeon Donald Trump with corona. The timeline, unfortunately for them, shows a president that did something that nobody else would ever do. And that is within three weeks of identifying that virus, he had a travel ban in effect and quarantines, which have not been had it not happened in this country for decades. Now all the money is being allocated. Does this work? Does this backfire too? Or are they just going to say, you know, Donald oh. Trump created the virus well, in a lab? Well, no, I, look, I think in the end it, it, it does not work for them, uh, both because on the key issues, uh, Trump has always been in favor of controlling the border. They've always been against controlling the border. Well, you now have an absolute case study of why you want to know who's coming in your country. And <clears throat> I think it just makes it that much harder for them to win the argument. Second, when the economy starts to recover, which I think it will do by early May, uh, all of a sudden we're going to be on an upward swing once again. And the, the difference between uh, a Trump economy uh, and, and the left will be amazing. And finally, notice what's happening. For everybody who wants government-run health care and the government to take over everything, and the government to destroy the pharmaceutical industry, it is the private sector which is rushing in 
with a series of steps both towards treatment and towards vaccines. And it's the strength of the American private sector, which is actually putting us in a position where I think uh, we're going to be able to, to whip this thing. Uh, certainly, by we'll be much better by summer in treating it. And by sometime early next year, we're going to have a vaccine that will, in fact, take care of it. You know, amazing. So I don't see the success either. And, you know, you really... It's another example that as people become more informed, you compare this in 2009 and 2010, and we did have H1N1 swine flu, and well, they never instituted a travel ban. They quarantined nobody. We lost, I think, about 16,000 in the end. uh, Americans lost their lives to H1N1. Uh, By the time Obama himself declared it a national emergency, it was six months after they had identified the virus. And I'm thinking, I don't remember any of this. We're going to die, you know, pandemonium and fear and panic breaking out. Well, I think that's right. It's it's amazing. If you go back and look at the different mini epidemics that we've had in the last 20 years, you know, we've we've had SARS. uh, We've we've had the the bird flu, the, the swine flu, as you point out. We've had MERS. I mean, there have been a whole series of these things. And for some reason this year, uh, maybe because it started in China and the Chinese government lied so intensely about it that it became a big shock, but this is being treated by the news media worldwide, not just in the United States, much differently than in the past. And I think to some extent it's creating a false sense of panic. Uh, This is not something you need to panic about. It's something you need to fix, work on, take the right steps, you know, it's as simple as it sounds, wash your hands 10 or 12 times a day. I mean, that's, I mean, all the medical guys will tell you that's the number one way to make sure you don't get this thing. Now, you would think people like Schumer and Pelosi would begin to figure out, you know, the, our goal here should be to help the American people, not to find some way to try to attack the president. Well, I mean, if the dog bites or the bee stings, or you, as the New York Times says, if you're not feeling well, you have Trump coronavirus, you know who to blame. They actually said that. Quick break. More with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, uh, as we continue. He has an upcoming book coming out. Uh, it's called Shakedown. This will be interesting. Uh, quick break. Right back straight ahead. And your calls and an investigation into how deep the Biden mob family corruption goes. Straight ahead. And as we continue, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is with us. All right, so you see a little bit of panic has kicked in here. I can see it. I hear it. I watch it. And I'm amazed at how ill-informed a number of people are. Of course, we've got to be concerned over any virus. But we lose people to the influenza virus every single year. This virus, unlike H1N1, tends to impact older people with underlying medical conditions or compromised immune systems and everybody else just gets a flu. Yeah, I look, I, I think there are a couple of things. One is it's apparently uh, substantially more dangerous if you're older. Uh, and if you'll notice of the, the, the loss in nursing homes in Washington State and in China, uh, and I think in Northern Italy, have all been very significant. So that's part of it, that, that it, it has a sort of shock effect. I think second, the very fact that the Chinese dictatorship refused to admit the virus was out there even when they were being told again and again uh, by people as early as December, led to this startling notion because suddenly you, you had this crisis. They're closing off, you know, they closed up Wuhan, which I think is a city of 20 million people. When you start that, it triggers a whole sense of panic uh, that has been going around the planet now, which I think has been mostly destructive 
because, in fact, that's not what you need. You, you need to calmly and methodically, as I do every day, I, I read every one of Vice President Pence's briefings. I read what Dr. Fauci says. I read what the head of the CDC says. I read what the public surgeon says. And when you read all that, you get a much more complete sense that this is controllable. It takes some work, but we can get it done. Uh, and I think that's a very key part of where we are. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, as always, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SHAWN, if you want to be a part of the program, the Biden crime family. We have another update, believe it or not, shocking, more corruption. Biden's brother facing new allegations of fraud. This extends far and wide into that uh, Biden family. We'll check in with Peter Schweitzer on the other side. Also, the latest on Corona and much more as we continue. If you agree with me. Go to Joe 30330. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. We have to just change the culture, period, and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. But if Donald Hunt Donald Trump is reelected. <laughs> Freudian slip. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Words that stunned the nation, and I would argue, I know, shocked the world. International leaders spoke about it. You had people like Margaret. Thatt, excuse me. You had people like the, the former chairman and leader of the party in in Germany. You had Angela Merkel. Just like in my generation, when I got out of school, that uh, when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s. When I got engaged, my son, the one who, my deceased son, was the attorney general of the United States. And before that, he was a federal prosecutor in one of the largest offices in the country, the in, in Philadelphia. Look, tomorrow is Super Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? Detail. That's something I've heard from some voters, maybe not at your events, but well, details. No, but the details are irrelevant. I just spoke at, a, at Dartmouth on health care at the medical school or not i guess i wasn't actually on the campus but the people from the medical school were at the I'm, i want to be clear i'm not going nuts i'm not sure whether it's a medical school or where the hell i spoke but it was on the campus why in god's name should someone who's clipping coupons in the stock market make in fact pay a lower tax rate than someone who in fact is uh, like i said the, a school teacher and a firefighter shipping and support our campaign text joe Two, three, excuse me, I got to get this right. Joe, two, three, oh, three, three, oh. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the, you know the thing. And turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for. Because we cannot get reelect, we cannot win this reelection. Excuse me, we can only reelect Donald Trump. So, folks, you want to nominate a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Biden-Bama Democrat. 
an Obama Biden Democrat, Obama Biden, but uh, can only reelect Donald Trump. We can't be reelected. We can only reelect Donald Trump. Uh, okay, now it came to a head a little bit this weekend on all this, as I mentioned earlier today. And comments by Howie Kurtz, who does a show on Fox on the weekends uh, about media. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is this this is an issue. I know that there are a number of issues that the media mob would would like to just ignore. They, they'd rather never have to talk about any of the things that we're going to discuss. It's called vetting. This is the toughest job in the world to be president of the United States. Does a candidate have the physical strength, the stamina, the mental alertness and focus and mental toughness needed to do that job? It's, it, it comes down to that. That is a fair question, which, as I mentioned earlier, was brought up numerous times in Ronald Reagan's presidency. If someone forgets what day it is once, twice, okay, you're going to have a gaffe. Everybody's going to have a gaffe. I've had my share of them. I'm on the air four hours a day. If you forget what state you were in and you seem regularly confused, that is part of the normal vetting process to discuss what the heck is going on here. You know, we're endowed by our, you know, well, the thing with, you know, the, you know, the thing we're endowed by the thing, the thing being the creator of everything. God, the thing, um, as it adds up, it is beyond alarming. Everybody knows it. But between this and quid pro quo Joe in Ukraine and the shakedown that took place there, you got six hours or you're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experience son. How about the mob ignoring zero experience Hunter and the millions of dollars that he made with Burisma and China and other countries? Or ignoring these these gaffes, as we've been saying, or ignoring the track record, the failed Obama Biden foreign policy, 150 billion to Iran as they chant death to America. And we got nothing for it. Nothing. Media mob ignoring millions of Americans losing their doctors and their plans. And everybody is paying a hell of a lot more, almost 200 percent more. If you want real numbers, 37 percent of the country that one Obamacare exchange uh, uh, option. That's it. You know, the, oh, OK, we're going to we're going to bludgeon Trump with the coronavirus, but we'll ignore how they handled H1N1. We had what? Tens of thousands, you know, 12, 14, 16,000 Americans dying there. It's a lot. Uh, there is a new big story that is emerging. I know the mob will ignore it because they want to bludgeon Trump as if Donald Trump created the coronavirus somehow himself. He must have manufactured it with a Russian in a lab somewhere. Uh, because that's the way the mob and the media is reacting to all of this. Uh, we've got a story out now about more allegations of, of potential fraud and quid and pros and quos with Joe. And this one relates to his brother, James, and this latest Biden uh, mob family members drawing scrutiny. Politico reports James Biden's business dealings with medical companies, including AmeriCorps Health, has led to allegations he potentially engaged in a fraud and traded on his brother's name by claiming that quid pro quo Joe was interested in the venture and that the family name could provide opportunities. It was all smoke and mirrors, according to a former AmeriCorps Health executive, Tom Pritchard, telling Politico 
James Biden reportedly convinced AmeriCorps that he could use his political clout to deliver a significant influx of cash in the form of an investment from the Middle East and even convinced the company to take on financial burdens, including a six-figure loan to James that he has yet to repay. And James Biden, AmeriCorps, their founder, were among now those uh, now facing a lawsuit from medical companies in Tennessee and uh, other allegations associated with this. Uh, here to put some uh, light on this, best-selling author Peter Schweitzer. He wrote the the book Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. He's the one that discovered Zero Experience Hunter and the millions paid by Burisma. Uh, that, of course, led to the discovery of quid pro quo. Joe, you, you're not getting a billion unless you fire the prosecutor investigating him. Uh, there's a lot of corruption within this family, apparently, that needs to be investigated. Welcome back. Great to be back with you, Sean. And that's right. I mean, this is just another brick in the uh, Biden wall um, of accumulated corruption, and it fits the pattern, which is trading off the name, uh, using the name to enrich the family, um, and using the political power of, of Joe Biden. I mean, this is a health care company you're talking about, a hugely regulated sector. Um, and the allegation is, is not only were they going to bring in capital uh, by using Joe's name from Middle East sources, but uh, that the political hookup could help the company uh, deal with regulatory matters in Washington, D.C. So it, it fits this troubling pattern, and it's a remarkable to me, Sean, as we've talked about before, that the mainstream media just does not seem interested in discussing this. Uh, this is an individual who wants to be president of the United States. Well, they're not discussing it because it's not just, to me, it's a slam dunk. We have them on tape as it relates to Ukraine. Yeah. And all, you, you, the Democrats had to take on during this whole impeachment sham, breathtaking hypocrisy, because you got Joe bragging about leveraging or shaking down a country with a billion taxpayer dollars as leverage. You're not going to get it unless you fire the guy that meets every every single letter of every statute that I've identified on this program, including the bribery statute. And lo and behold, we now know what happened, what they bought for with that money, because they invoked uh, Hunter Biden's name, did they not, when they went to the State Department after yeah. some of these payments? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, they went to the State Department. Uh, we know that Zlachevsky, who was the oligarch, uh, one of the oligarchs behind Burisma, uh, was uh, under investigation. They went to the State Department, uh, according to uh, documents that John Solomon got uh, released publicly, uh, and asked essentially for the investigation to be halted. And to get the investigation halted, they invoked the name of Hunter Biden, saying, this is a company that the son of the vice president sits on the board. It would not be a good idea to investigate it. So it's, it's, it's an example of how this works. And the currency that the Bidens have traded on for decades, Sean, uh, is the fact that Joe has power. As a powerful politician, he can help people or he can hurt people. Uh, and they have gone around for decades and traded off that name. And, you know, people will say sometimes, Sean, well, you know, you can't control your family members. Yes, you can. You can control them very easily. You can simply say to them, if you trade off of my name, I'm going to cut off access. I'm not going to let you come to these fancy state dinners. I'm not going to meet with you and your friends in the White House. All the things that Joe Biden continued to do when his brother James, his other brother Frank, his son Hunter, his sister Valerie, and his son-in-law all traded off of his name and his access to power to enrich themselves. And How is it possible that everyone says, oh, there's no evidence whatsoever to <laughs> substantiate any of this? 
How many yeah. countries are we talking about here? And not to pile on, but I noticed Hunter should be held in contempt for continuing to defy a court order to turn over his financial information, uh, flouting his lack of respect for the legal process, undermining the interest of the child uh, that he had previously refused to support or even acknowledge, according to a new filing from the mother of Biden's child in this ongoing paternity suit and case that's going on in Arkansas. So that's on top of it. how many other countries are we talking about here? Well, we've got Ukraine, which people know about. And again, the point that I make is it's not just that his last name was Biden that he got the money. He got the, Bi- he got the money from Burisma within weeks, within two to three weeks of his father being appointed point person to Ukraine policy. The checks started to arrive for Hunter. I mean, that's as explicit as you can get. But you've got Ukraine. You've got China, which is the billion and a half private equity deal he gets. That deal secured 10 days after he returns from China with his dad on Air Force Two. You've got deals in Kazakhstan that involve a private equity. Again, we're talking about the Kazakh government. We're not talking about a private businessman. You've got deals in Romania that involve Hunter Biden. Uh, and then when you get to the brothers, James Biden, the one we've been talking about, is the same brother who back in 2011 is made the vice president of a newly formed construction company organized by a family friend named Kevin Justice. And within six months of that appointment, Sean, they land a contract to build 100,000 homes in Iraq for $1.5 billion. Unbelievable. New construction company. James Biden is the number two appointed. Um, Stay so right there. i got to take a break. Peter Schweitzer, author, New York Times bestseller, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. Chapter and verse just touching the surface at this at this Biden, you know, mob family, basically, it seems like to me. Anyway, 800 and no one else in the media will cover it. This is our job. This is what we do. Uh, but we're fine. We you know, we've got 239 days. We'll keep doing it every day. Quick break. We'll have the latest on Corona mania and truth and facts you won't get from the mob also coming up straight ahead as we continue. All right. As we continue, Peter Schweitzer, author of the New York Times bestseller, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. You know, you've done a lot of research and a lot of background, and then you turn on television sets and you listen to Joe and the media mob say, oh, there's no evidence whatsoever, none whatsoever of any corruption. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. There's a boatload of it, but that's how corrupt they are. I mean, it's breathtaking to me. I still can't get over it. I should be used to it by now, but I'm not. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty shocking, Sean. And here's the thing, um, you know, look, I I believe all of our political leaders need scrutiny, but when they when they scrutinize Trump, you can take it and and sort of an ordinary event like a meeting. Um, and turn it into something because they have the presumption that something nefarious is going on. So that's the one thing they do. On the other hand, you can take something in the Biden family that is highly unusual. The fact that Hunter suddenly is getting a million dollars a year from Ukrainians when he has no background. The fact that Hunter's landing a billion-dollar private equity deal with the Chinese government, even though he has no background in China, no background in private equity. That's, a, that's kind of a strange circumstance. Those are unusual circumstances. But the, the default position of the media in those situations is, well, but you actually have proof that a crime has been committed. That's never been the journalistic standard. That's certainly not the journalistic standard with Trump. It's never been the journalistic standard with I, I got to run, but I'm going to tell you what it is, and you know the answer. The answer is, as long as they can use it to bludgeon Trump, the truth be damned. 
the double standard. It is that they somehow have justified this in their and rationalize this in their corrupt brains. But that's all right. That's our job. We'll do it. Great job that you do every day. Peter Schweitzer, uh, his book on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elites. Quick break when we come back. All right, let's get to some facts and some truth on Corona and what risks they really are. Straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. Right now, something that's important that I, I, I hope the American people appreciate is that the risk of getting into trouble with this infection, namely if you are infected, is overwhelmingly weighted towards people with underlying conditions and the elderly. And that's the reason why if you are an elderly person with an underlying condition, if you get infected, the risk of getting into trouble is considerable. So it's our responsibility to protect the vulnerable. When I say protect, I mean right now, not wait until yeah. things get worse. Say no large crowds, no long trips, and above all, don't get on a cruise ship. No cruise. And how about no airplanes, no trains? Well, I mean, uh, yeah. where are you on transportation? No, here's where here's where the recommendation from the CDC. I feel this way strongly, yes. and this will be a recommendation. If you're a person with an underlying condition, and you are particularly an elderly person with an underlying condition, you need to think twice about getting on a plane on a on a long trip, and not only think twice, just don't get on a cruise ship. The virus is spreading. Absolutely. And we've been saying this all along. Initially, we had a posture of containment so that we could give people time to prepare for where we are right now. Now we're shifting into a mitigation phase, which means that we're helping communities understand you're going to see more cases. Unfortunately, you're going to see more deaths. But that doesn't mean that we should panic. It means that we should take the things that we know work for individuals to protect themselves and make sure everyone is doing those things like washing your hands frequently, like covering your cough, like staying home if you're sick and not being around people who are sick. But it also means communities need to be thinking about things like, should we be canceling large gatherings? What are our telework policies? Should we be closing schools? And that's going to be different in Seattle than what it's going to be in Jackson, Mississippi. But communities need to have that conversation and prepare for more cases uh, so that we can prevent more deaths. All right. There you hear you're here from uh, these briefings, by the way, are going along every day. They're going on every day. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah. People with underlying conditions, elderly at are at the most risk for coronavirus, no large crowds, cruise ships, etc. Uh, said it on one of the Sunday programs, Jerome Powell, Surgeon General, saying coronavirus, yes, it's spreading. Uh, we're in the mitigation phase. We're going to see more cases and there will be some deaths. Now, the thing that really frustrates anybody that's trying to get good information about is when you have somebody weaponize something like this for political gain. And that's what we've watched. The media, they're in overdrive. It's almost like, well, if the stock market tanks and if this gets really, really bad, then we could really, really bludgeon Donald Trump with this and we can maybe sneak in. And even with with spaced out quid pro quo, Joe, we can get a, a victory in November. Well, there is perspective. You know, 2017, we lost 61,000 Americans to the influenza. In other words, the common flu. Last year, 37,000 Americans died from the flu. It can be anywhere between 27 and almost 100,000 a year. Now, we do have something recent we can compare it to, and that would be the swine flu, H1N1. That was Biden-Obama, 2009 and 2010. Uh, we lost, what, nearly 13, 14,000 Americans 
in the course of the run of that flu. Not once did they declare a travel ban. Not once did they have any quarantining. Not one bit. And it took six months before Obama himself actually declared a national emergency. I don't remember the fear-mongering and the panic going on at that particular point. There are differences between H1N1. That flu was tending to impact younger people by a long shot. Well, in the New, uh, New England Journal of Medicine, it was Dr. Fauci, actually, who wrote this at the end of February. And they're not seeing cases in people under the age of 15. It's just not happening. This is a very different virus. The median age of patients, 59 years old. Uh, fatality rate, in spite of what some have reported, that, oh, it's 3.4%. No, they're back down to around 1% at most, likely below that. Uh, and it suggests the overall clinical consequences of corona may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza. And you would think, listening to the mob and the media, that Donald Trump's doing nothing. All the monies have been allocated, all hands on deck, and rightly so. And I'm, listen, of course, we, we all have to take flu seriously, corona seriously. And I know at times that people might be inconvenienced. Maybe your child's school gets closed for a while. Maybe you have to telework for a while. It's all part of a normal process. You would think that this is out of the ordinary. Unfortunately, pandemics happen somewhat fairly frequently in the course of human events. Betsy McCoy is with us, former lieutenant governor of the state of New York. She is the chairwoman of the Committee to Reduce Infectious Deaths. Uh, welcome back to the program. You tell us what you found. Well, first of all, the scariest, the riskiest places to be are not uh, in a crowded arena, not riding a subway, not even on a cruise ship. The riskiest place to be is in a nursing home or rehab. And the second riskiest place to be is in a hospital. And that's really important because you want to make sure that if you're not feeling well, don't go to the emergency room. You're likely to be sitting next to somebody who's unknowingly carrying coronavirus. Much safer to go to your own doctor or make a phone call, but don't go to the emergency room because that is the most likely place to pick up coronavirus. So if you turn on MSDNC, and you could have turned it on at any point today, and you have a virologist on there and a science contributor on there saying that, 80% of the U.S. population would survive a 15 to 20% mortality rate amongst individuals that are elderly or have underlying conditions of coronavirus. That's right. The elderly are the most Okay, but the way they're saying addition, this is to scare the living hell out of everybody. That's right. And actually, the CDC briefing today was pretty scary because they were also stressing that even in parts of the country where we don't know there's any coronavirus yet, they were urging elderly people to stay home, stock up on their groceries, avoid crowds. I think that's really quite premature. Uh, and, and I would also say that I do believe that the president so far has taken the correct steps. Closing the borders on February 2nd was key because it bought us enough time to prepare. If, if he hadn't done that, our hospitals would already be flooded with people unknowingly carrying this virus, people who'd come in from other parts of the world. So that was really key in flattening this epidemic curve and giving us time for stage two. 
Okay, now as we gear up for this battle, um, one thing that I like that I was reading, again, there, there are adults in the room here and people that actually give perspective. I don't think most Americans actually know that every year people die from the flu. Tens of thousands well, of people year, every year. Let's, let, let's look at this year. So far, we have 18 deaths from coronavirus. That's tragic. But so far this year, we have 18,000 deaths from the seasonal flu. It's a mild year. 18,000 versus 18 deaths. So that does put it in perspective. So what we're learning from corona is very simple. If you have a compromised immune system, if you have an underlying medical condition and you're, you're older, that you are then more vulnerable for this being serious. Now, if you're That's younger and in relative good health, you, are, you might be at risk of contracting it, but it's, not, it's going to be like an average flu. Would that be a fair statement? That's right. In fact, uh, according to the data presented on today's CDC calls, no one under 30 has died from coronavirus in South Korea. No one under 50 has died from it in Japan. It is really not a danger for children, and that's a wonderful thing. We hope that will remain true because I know that really puts a lot of parents' anxieties to rest. Okay, so now we're gearing up for this battle. Uh, I, like Newt Gingrich had said earlier in the program today, if you listen very closely, I, I think Anthony Fauci is all over this. I think he's very smart. He's very measured. He's been through this since the Reagan years, and he's really good at what he does. But you, you're watching a lot of irresponsible comments made by the media, and you got a lot of people afraid of this. And I can understand people have a natural fear of getting sick of anything. But the reality is, okay, what how do you how do we going to know if we have corona or the regular flu unless well, you get tested that's the only way that's right that is probably the best way if you're not a medical practitioner yourself the fact is that if you wash your hands or clean your hands with one of these sanitizers 20 or 25 times a day every time you you touch something and then also avoid touching your face that goes a long way toward protecting you from coronavirus because it enters your body through the mucous membranes in your mouth, your nose, and your eyes. And so that's why touch is so important. And the other thing we really have to keep in mind uh, is the importance of routine, rigorous infection control in hospitals because you're going to see all over the country what you have tragically seen in Kirkland, Washington, which is that healthcare workers nursing home workers and nursing home and hospital patients, those are the pa people who are getting this disease. It's changing from a travel disease to a healthcare infection. And it's not the first time when SARS, do you remember SARS, Sean? I do. I have a whole SARS, sheet about SARS in front of me and Ebola, by the way. I'm learning more about this than I ever really wanted to. Well, SARS is a coronavirus and it hit Ontario, Canada in 2003 when a man whose mother had just returned from China, a man unknowingly carrying this virus, went to a hospital emergency room in Toronto. He just felt bad. He didn't know what he had. Well, they made him sit in that emergency room for 16 hours. The man to his left got SARS. The man three beds to his right got SARS. And before this epidemic was over, 77% of the people who got SARS in Ontario got it in the hospital. They were visitors to the hospital, workers in the hospital, or other patients. 
So the most important thing is to make sure that our hospital workers know how to control the spread of infection. Well, I think that's all true. By the way, worldwide with SARS, you had 8,096 U.S. cases, eight confirmed, uh, and worldwide deaths at 774. Now, H1N1 was very different. We had nearly, what, 13,000, 14,000 deaths from H1N1, and that that would... That particular virus was impacting kids more. And I look at the way this president has reacted versus the lack of action by Biden, Obama. And then I and the lack of hysteria in the media. And I'm just sitting back and I'm thinking this is all politics for these people. You would think that the one thing we might all want to get along on is fighting and combating a virus that can make our fellow Americans sick. Because I don't think I don't think that viruses discriminate. Uh, in terms of what your political orientation is. Betsy McCoy is with us, former lieutenant governor, New York chairwoman of the Committee to Reduce Infectious Deaths. Uh, quick break. We'll talk more with her. We'll get to your phone call straight ahead. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. And as we continue with Betsy McCoy, she is a former lieutenant governor of the great state of New York, where they tax you to death, and chairman, uh, chairwoman of the Committee to Reduce Infectious Deaths. All right, so average person that has turned in on the media mob and they're hearing it might be a 20% mortality rate for old people. They're going to die or uh, Chucky Todd coronavirus can be to Trump like Iran hostages were to Carter uh, joy Reid, children of Trump supporters are a coronavirus threat to your kids. And, you know, I'm watching it. You know, I watched, there was a museum director. I don't know if you saw this guy down in Texas, I hope every single one of you Trump supporters votes Republican that you died today. By the way, taxpayer funded. Um, they're weaponizing this. Polls are now showing it. What else can the president be doing short of what they're doing every day and acting faster than any administration in history? Well, that's right. I was appalled when Chuck Schumer said the president doesn't have a plan. I've got the 52 page plan right here. They have a plan and they're going right through it now. First, it was closing the borders. Then it was identifying those who were infected, tracing their contacts, isolating their contacts. Now that we know there's community spread, they're moving into the next phase, which does include in some places canceling events, what they call social distancing, because we know know that in the much worse 1918 flu. All right, last question. Common sense question. Would it be better to use Purell, better not to shake hands? Do you think people should be wearing a mask? No masks, but using the Purell is very good. And I, I did write to the president and suggest that in the airports, he put those Purell stands at the end of every jetway, and in every check-in area, because when you touch those screens to check great in, idea. that stuff works. It kills get. everything. You know, right. Linda tries to spray me every time I go into the studio. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's Betsy great. McCoy, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number, 239 days till the ultimate verdict. You make it. Can you shock the world again? Will you shock the world again? Your calls are straight ahead. We are going to impose a moratorium on deportations. Nobody is going to be deported in my first hundred days. But you said you would have to raise taxes on the middle class. Yeah, raise taxes on the middle class. Guess what? If you elect me, you're not going to have your, your taxes are going to be raised, not cut. It is no secret that we must transition away from fossil fuel, period, end of discussion. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? 
No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. All people in this country have the right to health care. And at the end of the day, we are going to win that struggle. Senator, would you include the 11 million undocumented immigrants? Absolutely, absolutely. Under your plan, should, would the 11, 12 million undocumented immigrants that live in the United States that have been here many for generations, would they have access yes. to health insurance? Yes. Would there be a litmus test on abortion? Yes, look, here's the deal. The litmus test on abortion relates to a, a fundamental value in the Constitution. I will send to the United States Congress, and it will pass, I believe, a bill that, 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 that excuse me, legislates Roe v. Wade adjusted by Casey. You asked the simple question. Is there a litmus test for those of us up here? For me, there is. I will never nominate any person to the Supreme Court or the federal courts in general who is not 100% pro Roe v. Wade. Number two, we have got to codify Roe v. Wade into legislation. All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. I've been telling you there's not a dime's worth of difference between Bernie the Bolshevik and quid pro quo Joe. Well, except maybe one has more energy than the other and more alert. That might be the biggest difference right now. Now, we played you last week. We played you the tape of 2016, and that was Biden basically saying, no, if, maybe, if Bernie would just get rid of his his socialist label, it's it's all what we all agree on, and, and he's passionate and believes in all this, and we do too as Democrats. But what did I say? Nobody else picked up on the Super Tuesday, and we'll learn a lot more tomorrow. We have, what, seven states tomorrow. Super Tuesday, it was... The lead up to this was Bernie defending the murdering dictatorships. And we're not talking about a few people. We're talking about millions of people slaughtered in Russia. The worst economic decline and and collapse ever in in the history of mankind. Can't make guns and butter. You had people online for basic fundamental necessities like toilet paper and bread waiting hours regularly to get those items. Um, but he praises that even honeymoon in the former Soviet Union. Then it's praising the Castro brothers, but they got a good health care system and a good educational system. Yeah. OK, well, they murdered and plundered and stole everybody's land and confiscated pretty much everything. And then Danielle Nor- Ortega and then Venezuela even. But if you look at the principles, that was the Democrats saying, wow, we're going to have a hard time defending this guy, defending murdering dictatorships. They both support, meaning Biden and Bernie, deportations of illegal immigrants, they, they don't want any deportations. They want open borders. They want a path to citizenship for everybody that did not respect our laws, our sovereignties, and our borders. They don't care. They agree on that. Both Biden and Bolshevik Bernie, you know, they both support raising taxes on middle-class American families and workers. They both want to implement what will destroy the American economy, and frankly, it will have an impact around the world. We see that with Saudi Arabia and Russia from earlier today, and that is, yep, they'd like to destroy America's fossil fuel jobs. That's the oil and gas industry, the lifeblood of our economy. Uh, both of them, you know, they both want us all to pay for the health care for illegal immigrants in this country. Okay, that gets expensive. Where's all that money coming from? All the talk about viruses. Well, would we have fewer would our risk be lower for communicable diseases of any kind if, in fact, we close the borders or just simply check people out? 
not to be mean, just to protect the American people. I mean, it was smart that the president put a travel ban in effect. I think we ought to check people's backgrounds. Uh, do they have any radical associations in their life? Do they have the means to take care of themselves? Are they in good health? Those are all legitimate questions. Not to be mean, it's just we have such a long list of people that would love to come into this country. Uh, you got Bolshevik Bernie and quid pro quo Joe. They they both support taxpayer funding of abortion, even late-term abortion. They want to eliminate the fossil fuel jobs, uh, support taxpayer-funded free college. Who's going to pay for that? We are. You know, they both support the destruction of the private health care insurance. You know, Joe wants to double down on Obamacare, the disaster. That's a disaster. Not good. Sanders uh, and Joe both uh, support abolishing the death penalty. And I, I'm, I just watch and I listen and I don't really see a dime's worth of difference between these two these two candidates. Bolshevik Bernie's continuing, you know, to pull his punches on the campaign trail as it relates to quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. But his supporters, by the way, they're not showing that much reluctance. Some of them now fueling rumors that, according to Politics USA, that Joe Biden has dementia. This is their report. It says a former employee of Bernie Sanders was using the Biden campaign's virtual phone banking tool to call voters and spread the claim that Biden has dementia. Uh, uh, Politics USA goes on to say the Biden campaign posted about the former employee. A former Bernie employee is using our virtual phone bank tool to call voters and tell them Joe Biden has dementia and is live streaming it. We'll cut them off in a little bit, but I figured it's worth everyone seeing this stuff in action. Now, the Biden campaign is blaming the scorched earth tactic. Of course, that's Donald Trump's fault. Uh, no, Bernie's trying to get the nomination first. Anyway, in Politics USA concludes, it's very Trump-like of Bernie Sanders supporters to falsely claim that Joe Biden has this, et cetera, et cetera. This is all coming from them. They're all this is a internal civil conflict in the Democratic Party. Now, if you listen to Joe Biden, you say, well, we have the African-American vote all sewn up. Not so fast. J Jesse Jackson. Well, he endorsed Bernie Sanders with a pledge that he will be campaigning with Sanders in key primary states. OK, maybe Joe doesn't have it sewn up. You got a top Sanders advisor having to apologize for sexist comments made about Michelle Obama. This was a Newsweek. Anyway, senior advisor Sanders campaign had to apologize for tweets he sent more than a decade ago in which he called the former first lady ugly. Good grief. Civil rights activist Philip Agnew announced he is joining the 2020 presidential hopefuls campaign on March the 7th. I am not my tweets from 2009. OK, uh, one tweet, random thought while standing at a gas station. Michelle Obama is an odd looking woman. I'd call her ugly, but I don't want the backlash. You want that kind of person working on your campaign, Bernie? Maybe you should fire them. Just a thought. Michael Goodwin is uh, was on with our buddy Mark Simone earlier today. And, you know, Hillary Bundlers, he's reporting, are telling Democratic donors don't commit to Biden. So I've been hearing from Democratic bundlers who say that they're telling donors don't commit, don't raise money for Biden yet. And on Sunday, Goodwin is contending in his New York Post column that Hillary is waiting in the wings, preparing to rescue the Democratic Party if Biden stumbles badly enough on the campaign trail. OK, good luck with that. I hear a lot of people saying these things. This right. is not OK. It's not my fault. Well, you, there you go, Hannity. You're picking on my little pumpkin again. Not fair. Candace, Florida, how are you? up, you creep. Get away hey. from me. Hey, be nice. Uh, what's up, Candace in Florida?
How are you, Candace? Good. I'm doing great. I'm calling because I am African-American Republican, Jewish Republican, and I have been campaigning for Trump since 2016, and I've been a Republican for a very long time. What I want to get is that to the black voters that are really all of a sudden standing up now for Biden, Trump has done a tremendous job with blacks. And when he did the First Step Act program and let out 91% of African-Americans so far, every family that he has let out, that's a serious bill. I call that a, an Abraham Lincoln slave contract that he signed. Hey, Candace, well, get, you're breaking up on us there. Hang on one second. We want to get your call in here and, and get you a good answer to that. Moses in New Jersey. Moses, how are you? You're on the Sean Hannity Show. What's going on? Doing great, Sean. Good to talk to you again, my friend. It's good to talk to you. What's happening? All right. You know, Sean, the one thing that I'm thinking about right now is going to be the the big picture, you know, basically the second term of Trump, because I'm very confident that he's going to win. But my fear is that these attacks that are coming from the left, you know, the only reason why they happen, Sean, is because Republicans never respond in kind. You know, why isn't the people that... Test, uh, that lied about Kavanaugh. Why have they not gotten the Roger Stone treatment after they admitted to lying, you know, under penalty of perjury? You know, why haven't they got responded to in kind by our DOJ? Or if not, you know, people like Andy McCabe, you know, they're going after President Trump because... I, I don't have a good answer did. for you. Because now, we, we know that McCabe and Comey have both been referred uh, for criminal investigation. They were found to have lacked candor, lied uh, in McCabe's case, for example, three times under oath, and they made a decision for whatever reason not to prosecute. I don't know if it's going to be an all-encompassing thing that is sort of funneled into what is the Durham and the Bar report or action. I do know the inspector general, you know, had a limited purview, but we got a lot of information. Everything we had told you about premeditated fraud on a FISA court Denying an American his civil rights and civil liberties and constitutional rights happened. We know that it was done for the purpose to spy on a presidential candidate transition team and later president. We know that Hillary's dirty dossier was the bulk of that information in the FISA application that says verified. It's unverifiable and it's even been debunked and they were warned ahead of time. So uh, all I know is you wouldn't get away with it. I wouldn't get away with it. And if we ever had subpoenaed emails that we destroyed, we wouldn't get away with that either. Really awful. All right, back to Florida. By the way, Florida, Candace, in 239 days, you're going to be very important to this country. What's going on? Let's see if we have a better line. Well, I w- Hi, I want the black voters to know what Trump has done, because when I tell them and mention them about the First Step Act bill, he let out 91% of harsh sentences from federal sentence inmates. Every black family, the 91% that he signed off that bill that no other president would have done, they would still be incarcerated for life in federal sen- in the federal prison. Every black person should be proud of what he's done. That's like a slave contract. That's like a slave contract. There should be not no black person going behind Biden or nothing because Trump, President Trump did what Abraham Lincoln did. That's a slave contract. Well, let me put it this way. There is there there has been disparate sentencing. It's proven again and again. The numbers do not lie. Um, I would say the the biggest two leaps towards a, a fairer justice system. One is Barry Sheck, the Innocence Project. Thank God DNA technology is 
They've been able to free many people convicted of crimes they never committed. I was a huge proponent of the death penalty most of my career until I started seeing these cases one after another where people were convicted and it turns out uh, they didn't do it. Uh, Evidence showed, DNA evidence. So for me, unless you're on videotape, I, I have very stringent rules that I would follow on that. But yeah, criminal justice reform, the president's support of opportunity zones, the president's support of historically black colleges, uh, criminal justice reform with, you know, record after record, low unemployment for African-Americans and Hispanic Americans and African-American youth unemployment, women in the workplace. It's good. This is all good for our country and our American family. And I would argue, Candace, the reason it's happening is it's predictable. And that is conservatism works, limited government, less bureaucracy, burdensome bureaucracy, lower taxes. It works every time we try it. It, it works. Yes, it, it, it really does. He, he has really made a tremendous difference within the last four years, and he, he'll continue for the next four years to make a difference in the black community. I just wish that all um, black people get out and vote and see what he is doing and see what the GOP Republicans see what you're doing, Sean as well as everybody at Fox, see what y'all are all doing for the black community. It's not I about just want color, everybody to be successful. It's just good. It's just common sense. You know, what does the president say it, as he gives his clothes, his signature clothes at his rallies? We're one glorious nation under God. We are one American family. We want to keep America safe and strong and prosperous and great. That's it. Pretty simple goal. It really is. And if we all looked at it that way, we'd all be better off and healthy, too. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News, the truth about Corona, how Democrats would weaponize even a virus if they can bludgeon Trump. We'll get to the latest on that. Also, is age an issue as it relates to Joe Biden? Alertness, stamina, strength, focus. Does he have it to do the job correctly? And a Hannity history lesson. Oh, Democrats brought it up about Reagan. We'll get to all of that. Also, the latest on the deep state. Is FISA now dead, gone, and buried? Devin Nunes, Sarah Sanders, Katie Pavlich, Melissa Francis on the markets. Senator Tom Cotton, Pete Hegseth, Moore, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you then. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.